second part, and why he finds Pennywise even more terrifying now that he's a dad. You're gonna get all that in a bag of tricks, so sit back and enjoy. Hello? Hello. You're not recording right now, are you? I am recording at this moment. No, you're not. Yeah, I am, actually. I hate recording. Oh, okay. <laughs> Because I want you to, I want you to relax, Kevin. I want you to imagine that you are one of the first episodes in the slate of bonus episodes that you should I call them boner episodes. I felt that would be too descriptive, <laughs> and I wanted it to be a surprise. Ah, fair enough. Yes, so. I will be full disclosure, just because of timing factors. First off, I've seen this movie like five times, so but oh, I didn't watch and... it soup to nuts. Okay, before this, so I watched clips, you know, just to refresh myself. But again, I I remember it pretty well. The second half left, so just because I probably watched the oh, first th- half like the five or six times, the second half like twice. <laughs> okay, so then we're then we're already on the same. Okay, page. good. So I guess the key question that I, that I do want to ask you is, when did you first see this motion picture? Because you're you're how old? Exactly. I'm how old now? Yes, uh, 33. Yeah. Okay, so you're about five five years my junior. Yeah. Which is better than the situation where I'm 25 years Jason's junior. <laughs> and yeah. and you then would have been, oh, since it came out 90? Or 90? Yeah. It's 90, right? Okay. Uh, 91, I think. Was right? it, okay, it was right Actually, in that one. I, I have my tablet right here. Okay. Audio if, if only there was a device, Kevin. If 90. only there was a... Yep. Okay, 90. Yeah, 1990. Okay. So in 1990, you were a young lad of what? Like... Nine. Uh, nine. I, I really suck at math. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, me too. I'm. I'm guessing it wasn't. It wasn't on. Uh, I don't think I saw the original TV airing. I'm pretty sure I saw it. If I remember correctly, if you rented it on VHS, it was like 35 VHSs long, and uh, I believe we rented it. And uh, I saw it at a friend's house mm-hmm. who was allowed to watch scary movies, and I wasn't. So oh, 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 that's oh. where I originally. I'm sure. Saw I'm it. sure. So I'm. So I'm assuming that your 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 adulthood and I'm assuming teenage year love of it had nothing to do with rebelling. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. So <laughs> no, not even in the slightest. <laughs> so you did not see it in its original 1990 airing then. No, because I believe it was a, it was like a, th- a three or four part it was a TV miniseries. It, it was it right? was two part. It was two part, and I remember it because only, it, I saw it live and, and memorized. Oh, nice! And November eighteenth and November twentieth of nineteen ninety. It was a Sunday and a Tuesday, so those jerks made us wait a night in between. <laughs> and I was it just started ninth grade, mm. and I, let me see ninety. Well, you know what. Yes. Regardless, I was around that eighth, ninth grade year, but it was definitely that window because I also remember that was the time right around 90. You had it came out. It was around the time misery came out. Graveyard shift came out. There was seemed Mm. to be these windows like in the 80s or 83. You had Firestarter, Christine, Cat's Eye right around that time. Right. I mean, Cat's Eye may have been 84. I don't remember exactly or 85, but it still is that window. Right. There was always seemed like there would be the spate of several king projects a lot of different properties that came out yeah so i do remember seeing it 
both nights. I, I was devoted. I was a Fango fan at that point, and I remember it. So you saw it for the first time on VHS at a friend's house. Was it a good situation where you guys were alone and it was dark? Or was it like, eh, it's, you know, Saturday afternoon and, you know, sunlight's out? And Do you remember? Yeah, it was... It, it was almost funny because it was my little crew, almost like the uh, the crew from the very movie, and we, we just used to rent movies, mm-hmm. and I was – I don't think I had read the book yet because I, I would have been a little bit young to have read the book, although it is one of the first – I think the movie prompted me to read the book, sure. which was the first King book I read. So, yeah, we just got together, and it was the friend's house, the, the classic friend whose parents didn't really care what you did, so we got <laughs> – naturally the scariest movie we could find judging by the cover art sure and we uh we plopped down and watched it and i didn't remember a lot of the movie at the at the like thinking back on it between mm-hmm. then and the next time i saw it i just remember that that like in the pity or stomach kind of fear mm-hmm. and to be honest the, the kind of horror i typically gravitate towards isn't monster horror which this technically kind of is but kind of the horror that goes the more psychological and and just the the bare bones of evil which this movie obviously has a lot of too just with the uh playing on their fears and like freddy krueger was another one of my favorites and this is almost like especially the first half kind of like stand by me meets the goonies meets nightmare on elm street Mm kind of has that feel Mm -hmm. so a lot of the stuff i later in life really loved i can look back on and say Oh, shit, I didn't realize, but it is kind of the embodiment of all those things. And that's kind of one of the things that Stephen King had said he wanted to do with it was make something that encompassed kind of all the monsters and all the the main characters that were around. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you rewatched it prior to recording this. Yes. Did you? Mostly. Yeah, what you could get through <laughs> the, second the second half got a little, got a little rough. A there lots was, of fast forwarding. <laughs> yeah. And then you I'd always hit play right at the time when uh when Pennywise would pop up because right right in the middle of all the boring back and forth dialogue about stuff no one cared about because these people ended up being the most boring pieces of shit in life, then then he would just randomly pop up like in the library when he I think he has like a newspaper or a book and he pulls it down like mm-hmm. and then lets all the balloons out. It's they, they almost lull you to sleep and then make you make you kind of like crap your pants by throwing out the creepy clown it was kind of kind of smart playing but makes for a, a rough second half watch even funnier because i didn't remember it since i didn't see it the original the original run i didn't remember it as a tv i only when i watched it not this time but i've watched it in the last couple of years did i even realize it was a, a made for tv movie mm-hmm. and where they split it it really does feel like two separate movies even the way even the way the first one ends with, with uh, I forget which character, what his name was, but kills himself. And then it says it in blood. That could have been the end of the movie. Like sure. If you cut out all the interjected parts where they're adults, we got to get back together, he's back. If you cut all that out, yeah. it's pretty much a standalone movie by itself. It even has a conclusion when they, the whole sewer thing. If I just watched the first half, which conveniently in the set I have is on two separate DVDs, I almost want to just throw the second DVD away because I like it better just as – Watching the hour and a half, which is the what would be the the first part of the film, and just leave it at that because to me the second half they redo the same thing as the first half more or less, but they're older and less interesting. Yeah, and, and it and it also lacks that sort of whimsical nature of the fifties. The first part really is like if you think of like the movies that just kind of like 
capture your inner child, like goon, like I said, Goonies and Stand By Me. And it has, it's that feel. It's the adventurous feel. Sure. They're out in the woods sure. and messing with the bullies, and it, it just everything that's good about the first half, I feel like, is lost in the second half with the rare appearance of Pennywise down to the down to the awful, awful ending. And I realize that's how the book ends, but but holy, holy hell, is it a letdown in terms of a rock between the eyes and terrible CGI to end the life of one of the creepiest characters you've ever seen in a movie. So you're ready to have your mind blown? That actually yes. apparently was not CGI. That was a fully operable puppet. That's almost worse. <laughs> but it makes me sad in a way because obviously I tend to stand by the side of practical effects being preferable. Oh, yeah. I don't that, know that, that it would have mattered. Even if it had been the most realistic, well, we won't give away what it is just in case. But yeah. I think had it been amazing CGI, I don't think it would matter because I think what the letdown is, is that it's not Pennywise. We have followed that character, regardless of the forms he took. He embodied everything, so it felt exactly. only fitting. And in the book, they can get into characters' heads, and it's more cerebral, and, and there's just it's a different dynamic. In a movie, it's so visual, and we're carrying that visual connection to Tim Curry's Pennywise through the whole movie. Now, before we have to wrap this bad boy up, I do want to cover a couple quick things. So you agree with me that this goes without saying. I'm pretty much saying this rhetorically. The first part. If it wasn't for that, this would be a very subpar Stephen King adaptation. It is why yeah. this is such an awesome movie. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Second, even though I think in the book it's like 1957, in the movie 1960s, do you think that time period, because that's very keen to me, I think of that 50s time period, because obviously the typical Norman Rockwell experience of the 50s that people were so familiar with, I feel as if King always like to point it out and then right under the surface is something oozing and yep. festering and ready to attack you and kill you. And I think that's what makes it really cool is that dynamic, that dichotomy of the beautiful, serene, sweet whimsy of, of what we perceive that time exactly, period being like. Yeah. But the reality in a little ironic twist, because obviously Pennywise doesn't isn't necessarily reality, but um, reality is under the surface. There's a whole lot of other stuff going on now. They're talking about making it into a feature. Are you familiar with this talk? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Now, one of the early names I had heard interested in doing it makes me want to jump out of my chair with that would be unbelievably awesome, but it probably won't happen is Guillermo del Toro. Apparently, this and Pet Cemetery were two properties that were kings that he wanted to do. Mm. I think either one, him actually him doing Pet Cemetery, I think would be I don't even know. I, I don't even know how that would play because it would be so creepy. It would be I, yeah, to be honest, I would trust him with pretty much anything yeah. at this point. And even though he's like in my mind, he so typically does the the bigger monstery fantasy type stuff. But I don't know, for some reason, having to scale it back a little bit, I just could see him doing something awesome with it. But that being said, if they make it here, we are 30, almost 30 years on, right? 25, yeah. at least years on from when the TV movie aired. Should they say that modern day because obviously they'll go back and forth between the kids world and the and the adult world mm. should they ha set the modern day world in now and then have the kids world be back in the 80s or no it should be like the book set it in the world of the 50s because that is so essential to the feel yeah. and everything that is king and then just have the adult part be in the 80s yep i, I think that because i think like you said the 50s the happy middle class family husband comes home from work, dinner's on the table, how's your day type thing with the creepy underlying tone. I think you, I think that's too important to risk losing by quote unquote updating it. On a quick side note, before I forget, 
I still can't imagine anyone but Tim Curry playing that I, role. I, and, I, and, I have somebody. Who? I know who it has to be. Who? No, Are you ready to get shot down? <laughs> okay, I think Tim Curry is perfect. Like He'll never be topped. But when I tell you who my person is, visualize it. Close your eyes and picture the paint, the hair, and the, okay. the eyes and the teeth and everything. Yeah. Paul Giamatti. Yeah. See? Can you picture it? If they have a similar look and they have that, a similar those buggy eyes kind of creepy and the, vibe. Yes, yeah. yeah. And that oh, those hunched over shoulders. And I can oh hear my him God, doing yeah, that. That would be. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna go shut me down, but I actually had a good one. And he would do his voice when he does little voices, it would be totally different, but it, yeah, you're right. It would have echoes of what we love about Pennywise, and and I think I could just hear him doing the "They Float, Georgie." I, oh God, yeah. it would be so awesome. I think he that would be. You know what sucks is it totally won't be him. It'll be Will Smith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or Will Smith's kid. Yeah. Or he, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Will Will Smith totally washed up. It'll be Jaden Smith. Or they'll get Bradley Cooper as Pennywise. Yeah. Bradley Cooper as the voice of Pennywise. So, is there any other attributes, key things you want to point out about this movie? Just that Pennywise to me is so creepy because he's he seems very real in especially today's news things like kids getting offered candy to jump in vans and general things like mm-hmm. that tend to become more more prominent in the news that you can't watch that movie now as an adult and not think he gives off a child abductor, child molester type vibe. And I think as a kid, he he just creeps you out. But as an adult, he embodies every ounce of child predator that anyone who has kids or has ever thought of having kids is terrified of. So that as an adult, it scared the crap out of me in a whole nother way yeah. because back then kids went out. And even when I was a kid, I mean, in the eighties, it wasn't that long ago. You would, sun would come up. I'd hop on my bike. The next time you'd see me is at sundown. And that was how you lived. And just the idea of these kids just roaming the neighborhoods and mm-hmm. evil lurking, I think it's a terrifying concept. So yeah, the the one scene when when I rewatched it, where Georgie goes up to the gutter, and it'd been a while since oh, I had seen it, and the way Curry talks to him at first, he was the whole "Oh, hello, Georgie." Yeah, you know, I'm not supposed to take things from strangers, and oh well, let me introduce myself. I am Pennywise, the dancing clown, and you yep. are <laughs> Georgie. Now we're not strangers anymore, are we? But then he does this shift when Georgie goes to reach for the boat. And yep. he's asking him about the balloons. He says, do they float? And he goes, oh, yes, Georgie. And he almost right. reminded me of Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Seriously. Like, yeah, no, you're the right. lotion in the basket? <sighs> oh, it's just it's something about it. He looks like he's getting turned on. That's the only way I could put it. It's just he's yeah. he's got this. His head's kind of leaning back and his eyes are wide. And it's just so lecherous and creepy. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Yeah, when that when that part of the movie played, I, I remember getting like I actually got a little uneasy in my seat. And he doesn't even do the thing where he puts his head down and then he's got the sharp teeth. I think it's all in the voice at that point. I don't think he's done the no he the he, transformation. He does then. at the very tail end of it. Oh, does he? I think at the very end when he grabbed his arm. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Well, he didn't need to do it because it certainly would have been just as effective without it. It is a iconic villain performance. It is honestly, it is terrifying. I have a couple of people I work with who are mortified of clowns. I think because of that movie, I've never been afraid of clowns, but I'll tell you as an adult, I probably, this movie made me more uncomfortably fidgety than 
than it did scare the shit out of me yeah. as a kid. It's the undertones are so strong, especially as a parent, yeah. that it's the closest thing I get to being scared anymore is being made feel uncomfortable. If I ever watch it again, not trying to do research for this, I would probably just watch the first half sure. and then shut it off. It honestly could have been probably a, a two-hour total movie. I mean, the book is long, but the TV movie feels like it was a TV movie that they had to make two parts. So they, because all they do when they get together is rehash more or less the stuff you saw in the first half. So they're like, oh, how's your life? Oh, it's okay, but I'm a generally boring individual. And they go through that for an hour and then. It, it just seems like they stretched it for the sake of stretching And it. my guess is, because the book is so dense and substantial, that they will make it into a two- or three-part movie, a la The Hobbit, which The Hobbit's not nearly as right. long as the as it was, and they managed to eat three movies out of that. So let's assume they make two movies out of it. I wonder if the fix would be, instead of just doing a solid, okay, the first movie's all the kids, the second movie's all the adults, what if they do almost a lost type framework where we do lots of flashbacks. Mm -hmm. So, and most of the movie, both of them, quite frankly, could consist of those flashbacks, but you almost like you yeah. have like a, I want to call it an anthology where you have the, the bookend story, but almost as if the, the part with the adults is the equivalent to the bookend story in an anthology. Like it's there, it's important, but it's not the driver. It's not the key. The key is the part with the kids. So, yeah. and you would have, you could have this cross cutting. It'd be a good way to build suspense. So it'd be interesting to see if, if they go that route or if they would just do like the solid, okay, this one's the kids, this one's the adults, because I think we all know what we'll be thinking, which is uh, <laughs> really, well, I think overall it would be more successful. Cause what I remember specifically from the book is the characters are super developed. And I feel like when you do a TV miniseries you're stuck in between trying to make it long enough but not trying to make it too long like where you can't get into the depth of the stuff you can in the books because then you're stuck and you have to wrap it up and rush to wrap it up but if you do a couple movie then then you can stretch it out and you can actually get deep into the character i feel like the the adult characters were skimmed over because in the book there was a lot more sure and they just felt like they couldn't cover it all so they opted to ignore it altogether. no that's a good point no that's a very good point no, I would I would definitely be be really interested. See, I think if you're going to make a remake, offer something new, and there's definitely more to be taken out of this. The only home run to me was the casting of Tim Curry, and the, the young kids part I think was pretty much spot on. But that leaves half the movie that was pretty much trash. So I think you could, I think there's definitely a lot of room for improvement. I cannot disagree. I think this is one where I am excited and really curious to see what especially depending on who ends up behind the scenes what they yeah. put together they're gonna be fantastic yeah and I, I think i think i agree with you someone who who's known for a lot of practical effect stuff uh would be would be a plus sure because i think i think that that always brings a certain amount of charm to it and if you're going with like a, a time period piece type thing then practical effects would seem better than like a World War II movie with all special effects. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of CGI I don't think would work as well if they're going to set it in the 50s. It would take something away from it. Man. So It from 1990 is your movie pick, the movie that you saw as a youngin that at least traumatized you enough <laughs> that when you see it as an adult, it still messes with your head just a smidge, at least the first half. Yep, I still sit on a towel on the couch. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little little uh little padding to get the absorption up <laughs> well kevin thank exactly. you thank you very much for being thank you in this year's spooky flicks fest the 2014 spooky flicks fest and of course thank you for your awesome show art which 
at the point when this is actually being published, people can look at ForgottenFlicks.com and see the awesome show art. Yep, hopefully. It's right, it's right here, I'm, right above this. If I make it that plan. long. Yeah, assuming <laughs> Kevin has actually gotten it done and not told me to go to hell. It's right there. So thank you, Kevin. <laughs> at Inkspatters.com, of course. And the art of yep. Kevin Spencer on Facebook, his favorite place in the world to be. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> yep. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Thank you for joining us for this special bonus episode of the 2014 Spooky Flicks Fest. And a special thanks to Kevin Spencer. You can check out his excellent art over at inkspatters.com or the art of Kevin Spencer on Facebook. Looking for more spooky fun? Why not head on over to ForgottenFlicks.com where you can sign up to receive free updates and something horrific delivered to your inbox every day in October. See you soon! Ha 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 ha